Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. The marketing profession has moved from art to science with the use of new technologies powered by artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things, and with a level of personalization and real-time communication only dreamed of in the past. But how does this marketing change during a time of economic crisis? As opposed to using marketing to just sell products, how can financial marketing be leveraged to help consumers manage their finances and provide support during difficult times? Where speed, tone, and clarity of communication is of the utmost importance, how can financial institutions help consumers use channels they may be unfamiliar with and proactively provide financial solutions they may be unaware of? Today's guest on the podcast is Rohit Mana, head of the financial services practice at Salesforce. He's got an insider's perspective on how financial institutions can use data and advanced analytics to meet customer needs while building brand loyalty. We'll discuss how organizations can combine empathy with solution-based marketing, moving transactions to digital channels while remaining agile during turbulent times. So welcome to the show, Rohit. We are definitely in the midst of disruptive times with the coronavirus outbreak impacting business and consumer behavior alike. Within a relatively short period of time, the banking industry has gone from relative prosperity to pretty much a crisis mode in, a, in some cases. Our interview today was going to focus on the way that data and analytics can be used to sell more products and services to the right customer at the right time using the right channel. I thought we probably would be better off to focus on how organizations can leverage the same tools and the same advanced marketing to connect with consumers during a time of need. First of all, if organizations have not already done so, what is the first thing that they should do with regards to communication from your perspective? Well, first, Jim, thanks for having me on. I I think you said it really well. These are incredibly disruptive times. To answer your question, I think in situations like this, you need to reach out and touch customers and you need to show that you care as a financial institution. Whenever there's uncertainty, people are always looking for some advice. They're looking for some help. They just want someone to feel like, you know, they've got their back and they're listening to them. And, you know, if you think about this, this is a huge role that financial services firms, banks in particular, have always played in their communities. So you can almost say it's, you know, more important now than ever before. So just that's where my initial head goes based on the question. So once organizations show that expression of support and empathy, what do you consider to be the next step? And again, we're going to assume that organizations have at least fairly good data and in some ways some idea of how they communicate. But what do you think this next step? It's a good point. That's a good step one. But there's got to be, you know, more than just that. So the way I... I think of this is during any type of crisis of any capacity, a virus or anything else that's happening, it's always about having the right communication plan or communication strategy in place. Because once again, like I said before, customers are looking for a constant level of engagement, constant level of updates, education things. They could be things from a financial services side, or they could just be general educations. You know, if you think of it, In terms of touch points, uh, maybe someone doesn't even know the latest that's on the CDC website. It's great if a bank has got outreach happening on a daily basis with customers that they're just baking all this into their end-to-end communication strategy. 
Well, it's interesting. Today, I got an email from my bank, and it, it frustrated me because I, I, I read it as a consumer that maybe doesn't know everything that's going on. And, and they came out, and first they said, we're in times of change, and things are really changing around us. By the way, we're going to be closing many of our branches, and some will be having auto teller only. But because of all the disruption, we want to give our employees a chance to go back to their families and do what we've been asked to do. And at that first paragraph, I said, you know, you know what channel I go to. You know what branch I go to. Why don't you at least touch that and make it somewhat personalized to my situation? And then they go about talking about, oh, we're also going to be changing some of the services and the way you connect. If you want to know more about these services, here's where you go. And again, a general comment, and then they gave a general phone number. I'm going, you know, if I'm a consumer, let's say I'm an elderly consumer that is not digital banking astute, so branches really mean a lot to me. This email did nothing to allay my fears and did everything to confuse me as to what's my next step. And I think, you know, if there's ever been a time when data analytics and highly personalized communication should be out there, isn't it now? I mean, you could say at least that was a good step one, that they're, they're out there, they're sending an outreach. This has kind of been the paradigm of marketers forever, this notion of how do you do one-to-one marketing at scale. It's kind of no different here. You could say it's even more important because knowing that maybe one client segment is elderly and they're all about face-to-face, maybe their phone call is more appropriate versus someone who's a millennial and maybe just sending an SMS with an update, knowing that they might be more astute and they might just need something that's not on the CDC's website, but maybe because they're a small business owner, some incentive that you're doing there to help out small businesses. So just you know, having way more personalization with the outreach is kind of step one. So kind of like KYC++ maybe is a way to think about it. Another thing is this whole notion of what do you do when there's crises going on and people want to speak to someone else, like a warm body, a warm voice on the other end. And I think that's irrelevant if you know, you're a young demographic or someone that's elder. We were on the phone actually with the CIO yesterday of a large bank in the US, and they were really concerned on this exact idea that you're getting at. Maybe less on email, more on the, the face-to-face side, Jim. And what they were looking at doing is they said, you know, we want to make it easy for someone to go to our website or go to our phone. And it's our job to kind of educate them that that's kind of their first stop and to just make it easy for them to set up an appointment. So, you know, same way you could jump on Apple and set up a quick appointment to get your phone fixed. They wanted to do the same thing for their banking customers. And those could be face to face meetings because they were still doing limiting Uh, hours within the branches, but they wanted to space it out. So you kind of had social distancing happening between customers, or if someone just wanted to do a virtual meeting. The reason why they said the virtual thing was really important is that their queues in their contact centers were through the roof. And instead of someone sitting on the phone for many, many hours, which probably a lot of listeners listeners have dealt with whenever there's an issue with weather and you're sitting on the phone with one of your airlines just waiting to make a change, they said, we don't want our customers to do that. We just want them to go on the website, set up a time, and either we'll have them in the branch or, you know, we could do a virtual meeting with them. That was a positive thing. You know, that's, I found that pretty, you know, I don't want to say cutting edge, but it was, it was just good to hear that they were thinking and they want to do it fast. It wasn't like, you know, 
hey, let's take a couple weeks to do this. They're like, we want to get this out in the next 48 hours. You know, it's interesting because you you mentioned that, and and I was on uh, using Delta Airlines last uh, week and uh, flew out to Phoenix only to find out that what we went out to Phoenix for had pretty much gotten canceled. So we were trying to reset our return time to come back a day early, or actually three days early. And Delta, I'm a uh, a very high level of Delta, and so I called the the number on my special card, and they said, yes, we we're having an unusually high level of contact right now. The wait time is six hours, and you go, oh my, gosh. oh my gosh. Well, and and what they did, they quickly came out within about three hours and said, here's what we want to tell you: if you rebook and if you set up another flight, we will make it right for you. Because we know right now we're very hard to contact. I mean, nobody can set up something in a way that says they're ready for this. But I think it's important, to your point, that organizations, in the desire to have speed, also don't forget the importance of the personalization. Because if you send out just general messages to the public at large, you almost create more problem than you're relieving, don't you? I mean, it's just not relevant. And you could almost say when you're trying to do something good and help someone, they just become tone deaf to it because they say yet again, a bank, maybe they're not trying to sell me the latest credit card, but they're just sending me a generic, you know, email about the virus. And don't they know I've been a customer for 10 years? Don't they know, you know, I go into the branch all the time? Don't they know I'm a like, they should know all these things. So you know, we could talk about it later, but we're just seeing so many banks realizing we need to accelerate, you know, this notion of representing Jim across the entire bank. Again, you know, the customer 360 notion and trying to accelerate that. So I'm, I'm hoping out of these hurdles or challenges you're getting at, we're going to see the industry really accelerate things that we've been talking about for a long time. You know, it's interesting to your point. I always use a comment that says, you know, I've had an organization, a relationship with a large financial institution for basically 15 years. And in many ways, it feels like I've had 15 one-year relationships. They really haven't gotten to know me, understand me, or reward me. But it's not like they don't have the data. And as you are, as I am, being on the inside, it's very frustrating when you realize they know all about me. But the application of that information, that application of data, even if they make a slight error, it's better to make that slight error and get 98% of them right to be able to say, oh, by the way, Jim, you don't come to our office very often, but here's how you can do it. Oh, you're a small business. Here's what you should be doing. Because even if you have to reconstruct something, I, I, want, you to, I want you to talk to me as an individual. That whole notion, I think you're saying it so well, whether you're an individual with a relationship with a bank for a long time, or if you're a business owner, you're still an individual and you're still having a personal relationship, maybe just with a, you know, a relationship manager versus, you know, a mortgage bank or something like that. I've seen some really interesting things, Jim, going on outside the U.S. because they were a little bit ahead of, you know, the situation around COVID. And we were speaking again with a bank in the U.K. recently, and they were telling me that, um, they really leaned in on this concept, specifically in their small business segment. Granted, that's you know a, a segment that's important to all banks, but really, really important right now with the, the challenges they're going to, the impact to the economy and so many other things. So they're saying, you know, we're trying to become way more proactive versus guessing when we're interacting with our small business banking customers. And they're saying due to open ba banking standards and other things, we've got way more data that's not about the normal relationship. And they were saying, you know, we've got insights into their payroll. We've got insights into what's going on uh, with their billing data. So inflows and outflows. 
in essence, they've got potential downstream impact insights to know if you're a business owner, are you going to have to be laying off employees because you know you don't have inflows of money coming in? And can they, as the bank, lean in to help you, maybe with some type of no interest loan, or maybe give you you know a holiday and some payments? So yeah, this whole idea on on personalization, really understanding who the individual is, understanding what their needs are, and proactively you know reaching out to them. So to your point earlier, like don't just send these generic emails, like send things that are going to have real impact to people's needs today. Well, it's, it's frustrating sometimes where an organization will say, oh, by the way, if you have this challenge, here's the number to call or here's what to do, instead of saying, we've already set up the solution for you. Um, it may be, you know, how do you reach out to the masses and say, we'd like to give you a, a short-term line of credit availability because we realize that sometimes the timing of whatever inflows come versus the timing of outflows may not match. And, oh, by the way, during this period, we're going to eliminate overdraft fees. We're going to eliminate NSF fees. But more than just giving offers out there, as you said, the ability to target those households, those customers that are most likely going to need those services rather than just blanket things that don't really relate to, you know, 80 percent of the public. I mean, you, you said it earlier up front. You can't be selling right now. And this is almost an orthodoxy for our industry because it's always about the product. This is the one time when you have to really, really take a step back and say this is not about the product. This is about the individual. This is about the household. This is about understanding what their exposure is. How can we help them with that? I think the good news is this is what banks are incredible at, about helping people. It's just about making sure it's you know very, very directed right now. And I've, I've read some really promising things. I remember reading an article, I think it was last night, about the things that HSBC and First Direct are doing in the UK, specifically around addressing these things. I've heard a few CEOs on interviews over this weekend on Sunday and then even over the course of the week where they're saying, you know, this is what we do as an industry. So, you know, I think even with some of the potential down things, you're at least hearing really positive things being said. One of the most challenging aspects of crisis management is usually the need to create a wide range of critical content, have it vetted by legal, pushed out through different channels as quickly as possible. What have you seen at Salesforce with your clients how do they do this the best when you have multiple silos in an organization? How can they get into a crisis mode and, and really get out good communication and check off all the boxes, if you were? I mean, that's just the reality, right? That you've got multiple owners of content, multiple owners of delivery, multiple owners of channel. And I think where this starts is you need to have a cross-functional crisis team. And you need to have some really important departments as part of that crisis team. Obviously, your PR team, your legal team, compliance team, your content gen team, your marketing team who's going to be thinking about modalities and channels, IT team in case you need to rapidly build something new. You also need all the channels represented here because quite often, you know, you probably know this better than me, channels are represented by different teams and silos at the bank. There's a social team, an email team, a, you know, a mobile team. Uh, maybe just a web-specific team. So I think it's about getting kind of all these people together and just saying, you know, we've got to loosen up maybe some of our stringent approaches, you know, in, in years past. These are very different times. These are very disruptive times. We as a financial institution need to help our customers and we need to change a little bit how we work internally. Something I was thinking of here as you were talking is 
almost what's the long-term pull through on that, right? Because it's like one thing you spin up a crisis team for a moment, or maybe it's not a moment right now, it's a few months duration of time. But how do these good behaviors of just teams breaking down internal silos and Chinese walls and working together, how do you sustain that long-term? So, you know, that's something we're starting to speak with some banks about is how do we set some governance in place right now so that these best practices pull through in the long-term? Because we know ultimately, if we function together as one bank, we're going to ultimately drive incredible experiences with customers, which create really happy customers, which create all the things the bank wants. Well, it's interesting because we're really at a Y in the road or a V in the road where you're, you're saying you have two options here. You can either do things if you've always done them, and it only shows up worse during times of change and crisis. Or this can be the motivator to say, you know what, we've been talking about actually using the data for the customer's benefit, and, and now's the time to put the proof in it. And, you know, I, I think when we look at the fact that, you know, for instance, uh, organizations have not promoted their digital channels probably very well, certainly not to those segments of the customer base that are less likely to use them. So we kind of say, okay, we know they're not going to take it up, so we're not going to put a whole lot of money behind it. But how can advanced analytics and, and multi-channel marketing be used to move the consumers who've always used a branch to use digital solutions and digital products now? I mean, I know we don't want to talk about journeys. That was going to be an original topic, but it kind of is a journey because the reality, if you're out shopping for anything these days, Jim, like take financial services out of it, your experiences are across channels. You might walk into a store, check out an item, go home, jump on Amazon, read some peer reviews, maybe go back to another store to check it out again, then jump on some price comparison, maybe mobile app. Then see if there's some type of, you know, incentive or coupon you can get. Like you're going in and out of channels all the time. And I think right now banks need to think about that connectivity because even if someone is used to face-to-face, they're going to need to start using digital now. So maybe start educating, taking them on, you know, a lightweight educational journey so they see the value in that or they see the impact of that. But they've always got the opportunity like I was mentioning earlier, that other bank that still can do even virtual face-to-face meetings. So someone still feels like they've got that out if they ever need to speak with someone. But you're taking them on kind of a progression curve or a maturity curve. I think you kind of achieved two things there. One, you're helping customers around new behaviors. The second is you're accelerating what banks have spoken about forever. And that is, you know, we need to spin up the digital bank. We need to think about customers across all lines of business. It's moments like this that matter because people very easily forget the good things. They never forget the bad things. So if you do the right thing by your customer right now, they're going to remember that long term. And it's a great opportunity to accelerate digital transformation, driving great customer experiences, thinking about journeys, but only a narrative of helping someone, not trying to deliver alpha and sell product. Now, do you see this as an opportunity to build more content and use content marketing more, be it lessons on how to use, let's say, remote deposit capture or remote bill pay to just giving people comfort? Is is this an opportunity to really use some new marketing tools that most organizations haven't used? I'm pretty excited with this opportunity for content marketing. Some of the richest content I think around is sitting within banks, within their their research teams, maybe on the CIB side or any product specialist has always got incredible product research or market research. 
The challenge, though, is, is how do you deliver it in a way that's meaningful for people right now? And, you know, writing long format content that's sitting in a PDF that's 50 pages, that's not working when you know your customer's preference choice is uh, SMS or their preference choice is YouTube because they're just, you know, more visual in nature. So I think it's going to be a content revolution of how do you really change the way you're delivering content? How do you deliver content in a hyper-personalized way? Um, how do you deliver content that maybe is off-platform? You're just delivering content maybe around financial wellness and education, and you're aggregating or curating the best content that's out on the web, and you're bringing it to your customers. This notion of hybrid content, you know, you see it in, in other industries right now. I think it's an incredible opportunity for banks, credit unions, uh, or really anyone in FinServe to do the same type of experience for our FinServe customers. Well, we also have the opportunity, you know, everybody's going to be online. It doesn't matter what age, everybody's going to be picking up content. And and I think if organizations think about it, the ability to do pre-roll, post-roll, the ability to advertise on social media, on the channels that people are following, and to start getting some measurement in there, because you're, you you can reach out to these people in, in ways you've never done before. And I think this is where the financial return has got to be somewhat ignored to the point of saying the social return is going to be more important, don't you? I mean, wouldn't this be pretty cool? If we know customers are spending, there's probably some chart that will say how much more time online right now, the natural reflex of a bank is, well, hey, let's start doing some more ad spends in certain channels to drive more product. I think it would be pretty cool if they did do that, but maybe they knew I had a, a child because they've got a household view of me. They understand I've got a child at a certain age bracket who we know, you know, all schools are closed, and they're targeting Khan Academy, self-enablement uh, education to me. And I'm still getting the bank's logo, but it's not about a bank product. Like, that would be pretty interesting, I would think, for a consumer to see something like that happening. And that is like cross-platform content gen, but still, you know, targeting back to a customer. Well, and again, there's never going to be a time when community is going to be more important and if the bank can actually look like they're part of the community as opposed to simply looking for the PR opportunity. And I, there's going to be cynicism. I mean, you know, you mentioned the Khan Academy, which is the Bank of America's program. And, and you know, they just donated $100 million for coronavirus relief. But I, I think some consumers are going to go, yeah, but that's nothing to them. Well, how can we structure that in such a way so it actually impacts the person from a community that says, oh, here's here's what this means to you, rather than the, I think we have to look at all between social media, PR, you know, the customer outreach in different ways, but very much on a personalized basis. You know, again, it gets down to what your organization does on an ongoing basis, which is taking data and, and making it mean something from a digital transformation and from a communication basis. And I don't think there's ever been an opportunity to really step out and look different than now. It's going to be tougher because everybody's remote. But, uh, you know, again, it's that we talk about personalization a lot. But it, as you said, instead of sales, let's do it for other methods as well, other reasons. I mean, you know, customers are smart. They can sniff out things like you were just getting at. They know if uh, a bank or someone is just doing something for a PR moment and then they're going to go back to their normal behavior after. But if you do good and you're doing it in the community and you're going to the people in their community, people remember that stuff. We were speaking with a, a bank again in Europe last week and I thought this bank told me something incredible they're doing. They said, 
you know, we're going to create a stimulus fund to help our small business customers in a particular region. And I said, well, how are you actually reaching out to those people in region? They said, oh, we just we're going to get connected with a local radio station and just start doing some enablement and education via the radio because they knew people in that area uh, listen to the local radio station. Like those are moments that people remember and they feel like the bank is really trying to help them and have their back. So you're right. These are incredible opportunities to do the right thing. Well, in China, when the coronavirus hit, the amount of time really skyrocketed. Obviously, the increase was attributed probably as much as anything else to news and information outlets. But how can banks and credit unions take advantage of the increased viewing time? And maybe, you know, we, we're having a lot of our news shows now with the reporters working from a uh, their remote site. You know, I think the financial institutions are in a position to help consumers figure out how to work from home. I mean, I think the work from home is the new norm now. Everyone's doing it. So everyone's going to get used to doing uh, video conference calls, whatever platform you're, you're doing. Everyone's going to be online. Uh, I even think I heard in, in Europe, Netflix is degrading quality a little bit because so many people are, are watching Netflix. It's just the new norm. And, you know, we touched on some of this before, but maybe another way to think about it, Jim, is that the ones that create the right emotional connectivity now and do things for good versus commercial benefits are going to be the winners here. Because there's clearly going to be some institutions that in the public's eyes come out of this doing the right thing, really here to help me, and are viewed as the winners long term. Well, I think sometimes it's going to be just getting out of the whole banking product mentality. I mean, if you had it, we were talking about content earlier, if you use content to maybe have psychological pointers because we're going to be hitting new challenges. When you start hitting three days, it's bad. But when you start hitting three months, there's a different world. And why couldn't your financial institution, you know, those podcasts between two specialists on knowing how to take care of these kind of times? I, I think banks can completely look out of their norm and, as a result, build loyalty that is really unbreakable. I mean, it even could be things like this. You take you speak a lot about this, I know, you know, take inspiration from outside industry. And many other industries do the whole notion of sense and respond. And that is just go ask the consumer what they're looking for. Wouldn't that be kind of interesting if banks just do kind of an all hands call for customers and just get an idea of what they're looking for, sense it, respond to it, and then, you know, uh, help them out. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Or yeah, I was thinking earlier today, the, the ability for Zoom to uh, have multiple people on a call will have all the customers of a branch be able to see all the employees of that branch on a Zoom call. Say, guys, if you want to ask us questions, if you want to just have a coffee with us, you know, I guess Chipotle has done something where they're doing hangouts where people can have lunch with other people that want to do that. And I, I just think the opportunity is amazing. But I, I think one thing that I would think we don't want to miss, and I don't know how it's done, and you can probably help me here, is we still probably have to measure results in some way. If nothing else, open rates and things of this nature. How do you think firms should try to measure the return on investment or a return on commitment? That's the underlying question here. The one thing that I would advise any bank or anyone listening to is you got to really balance that because, again, people sniff that out. And what we do know and what data tells us is if you have people in a time of need, you're going to get the long term ROI out of it. You're going to grow your wallet share. But if you look for selling opportunities too early, people are going to sniff it out. One option could be you could be targeting product sales based on a real need that someone has, you know, and maybe you're a small business owner 
and the government is opening up some stimulus for small business owners, and there's some sale a bank could do as part of that, that's actually really empowering to the small business owner. It's educational to me, and I'm willing to buy something from the a product from the bank because it's helping me out. So there are some connection points there, but I just hesitate everyone to, to look for the immediate ROI model that's going to justify the spend. What's interesting is PayPal reached out to me yesterday saying, by the way, in these difficult times, you've already built your line of credit with us through the way you do business. We're here if you need some help or you need a, uh, a pre-approved line of credit or bridge loan. And you know what? I didn't see that as selling. I saw that as a lifeline, knowing a lot of businesses that are that are really right now thinking, you know, if you're a restaurant, you're saying, I don't know my next step. And if the government does things like they normally do it, they can talk about a stimulus package, but it's going to be a good six weeks before I even understand how to take advantage of it and probably another four till I get it. Now, I don't mean to be the sky is falling guy on the, on the podcast, but the reality is if financial institutions can help that scenario and really put their heads into how are our customers feeling, I think it's going to go a long way. I mean, even in that case, Jim, I even think we as individuals can do that. You know, if you're ordering out, tip as if you're eating in the restaurant. If you don't want to go out, buy, you know, a gift card from your favorite restaurants that are local. Like we all can give impact and help out here. Yeah, I, I was telling somebody today, I went to get my haircut two days ago and sent in advance of my haircut a fairly sizable tip just to, because I knew that eventually they'd get impacted. Well, it so happened that afternoon they got impacted. Well, I did the same thing yesterday for the dog rumor. And, you know, I must be the death knell because right after that, the governor said that uh, they want to close down all grooming facilities wow. and things like that. I'm going like, geez, I, I'm going to stop tipping because I'm, I'm closing <laughs> businesses down without knowing it. But, um, <laughs> you know, overall, organizations don't all have the complete handle on their data or on their communications process in many organizations, you're talking about a marketing team of one or two. What's the first thing they should do? With their data, they've got to realize that you're never going to get your data set, your data lake perfect, and you just need to start doing things with it. And my recommendation would be where we kind of started the conversation, just look at your basic customer data and start doing an outreach to them. And then really seriously start thinking about building consistencies or a single representation of your customer, knowing that you're never going to get it perfect, but it's kind of all right. Your customers are willing to give you, you know, a, a longer leash if they know that you're just trying to do the right thing and give them consistency across all their connection points with you or across their business connection to consumer connection. We speak a lot with banks about this, that you just got to start. And sometimes you just start with working with what you've got and slowly, you know, iterating and make the data better and better and better. Well, it's tough because I, I always make fun of the investment service industry that, you know, I, I never hear from them when things start going south, but I always hear from them when things are good and they want more investments. I was fortunate enough to get out of the market for the most part very quickly, but I, I sometimes wonder you know, will my, my investment company call me when they believe it's time to change my strategy? I, you know, I'm not a big investor. I, I don't have a ton of money. But, you know, you kind of this is how you, you really learn what an organization is made of. So I got a great story with that one. So with one of the natural disasters last year, I was speaking to a wealth firm and they were saying, we reached out to a series of our customers that had vacation homes in a troubled area and just let the client know, hey, we can help you out because we know you don't live there. 
that that's your secondary house. And goodness came out of that. They said within months later, that customer brought a lot of inflows of them. And they said the reason why is they had so many other wealth firms trying to sell them products at that point. And you were the only person who tried to help me out. That's a great story. It's another one like, I think it's progressive insurance. And if I get it wrong, somebody's going to call me, but it's okay. That does drone flights over hurricane and tornado disaster areas. And they send checks out in advance to the houses, the owners that they cover saying, you know what? We know you're in difficult times. We know you're in need money. Here's a start. And the thing is, yeah, there's risk to that. But it's just like when you return something to Amazon and they give you credit for it before they actually get whatever is being returned back again. You go, what's the cost of that goodwill? And to let people know, by the way, we know you're under some stress and we trust you. Interesting times. You know, I, I got to thank you, Rohit. I appreciate the time you've taken to talk to us today. And, you know, I think your first point that you made before at the beginning of this podcast, which was now's the time to double down on marketing, I, I think is a very key element because I think to be silent because you're not sure what to say is not a good strategy. Well, thanks for having me on. And I completely agree with that point. You have a great day. You too. You know, this is one of those timely interviews that you don't expect to go the way they went because honestly, when I set up the interview with Rohit, uh, we certainly were going to talk about customer journey and sales strategies and how to use data. And in effect, we pretty much did in this call. It just applied differently. I think the major takeaway is that companies that respond to the current crisis with transparency and compassion will be rewarded by their customers and their audiences. Companies that fail to rise to this occasion or are late to respond may create uncertainty or damage the confidence they have built. Moreover, use this as an opportunity to flesh out the complete crisis management response plan you may or may not have had in place so that the next time the unexpected comes along, you'll be ready. Thank you for listening to Banking Transformed. Radio is a top five banking podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And more importantly, please don't forget to give our show a five-star rating. While it only takes a minute, these ratings are very important as we try to expand the distribution of Banking Transformed to more potential listeners. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our research we are doing on digital transformation, retail banking innovation, the digital customer experience, and financial marketing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Lawnbreak, and audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, have a great week. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.